Welcome to the Fall to Grace podcast, a show dedicated to those who have stumbled, struggled, failed, and fallen, perhaps more than once. Our message offers encouragement, hope, and connection to turn your personal shame and suffering from a fall to grace. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Um, once again, good morning, everybody, or afternoon, or whenever you might be listening to this particular uh, episode of my podcast, Fall to Grace. Welcome to the Fall to Grace podcast. I'm Kevin Kirkland, your host, and um, I'm grateful for anyone who may be listening or watching uh, this podcast. Um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I have to do this. Um, I've, I've got to tell you a little bit about um, why I'm doing this um, there's several reasons, actually. Uh, one of them is I've always wanted to do something somewhat creative. I'm, I'm not an artistic person. I don't paint. I don't play a musical instrument other than the drums badly. Um, but I've always wanted to create something. So um, this is my creative effort. So it, it does satisfy uh, a need that I have to do that. Um, I also... Um, wanted to have a purpose. You know, I was re- when I was released um, from incarceration, of course, I had no career left. I had no job left. Um, and for the year that I remained in California before I moved to Arizona, um, I had no employment. And so I was retired, full a full-time retiree, and I didn't like it. Um, it, it felt purposeless. Um, it added to the isolation um, and the the loneliness. Now, loneliness is something I'm going to deal with later, but um, I have found that loneliness is a very tough competitor, um, fierce competition um, for your will and for your mindset, um, for the ability to remain positive and heal and go through pain. Uh, loneliness is a t- very, very fierce competitor. I learned that. But uh, in, that, in that year, um, I, I recognized that I needed to do something, or I, had, I missed terribly the idea or the, 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 the energy that was spent and the, um, the joy that I had in having a purpose and going to work and doing what I love doing. Um, to, to lose that was very difficult, um, and I wanted that back. And so wanting to have... A purposeful day, creating purpose in in my day, um, and having a looking forward um, and not back. I needed to have a purpose, and so the I I think this idea of doing this podcast sort of that little tiny seed was planted some time ago, and it just kind of grew. I didn't think at the time I was going to do a podcast. I just needed to do something that was purposeful, meaningful for me and possibly helpful to someone else that uh, was in a similar situation for whatever reason. Um, the other thing that um, I, I found was that I wasn't alone. There are other people that um, you know, had retired and found that there was, you know, they'd, they'd lost their purpose and you know, didn't really uh, have joy in their day, and they find ways to do it. Um, I will, I will say, however, that no matter what kind of situation you're in, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, when you're in a situation that I was in where 
you know, I had lost everything. You know, I didn't have a job, didn't have a home. My family was broken up. I no longer had a wife. I no longer had any money. Um, I was excommunicated from my church, so I didn't have the community of church. Um, I had no status whatsoever, so no wealth, no status. Everything that I'd worked my whole life for was gone. Um, added to that, I had the label of you know shame and stigma and regret. Um, I couldn't get hired um, by a normal employee or employer. Um, couldn't vote. <laughs> I had to check in regularly with authorities. I had reduced or no freedom to travel outside of the county I was living in at the time for the year that I was on probation. So, I mean, I had nothing. So I had to do something uh, which would allow me to feel purposeful um, and to move forward. Um, and, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. I do want to go back and, um, and give um, a shout-out and uh, express my gratitude once again for Jessica Sanchez, now, Jessica Sanchez um, is a therapist in Palm Desert, California, in the Coachella Valley, and her practice is known as the Refinery. And I wanted to mention that in the last episode, but, but I forgot to. I don't know how, but I did. So I want to um, make mention of the fact that uh, Jessica's practice, the Refinery, um, uh, in Palm Desert, was the place where I was able to go, as, and I, I found my little oasis <laughs> of healing where I could start. And I wanted to express my gratitude once again for her and for uh, the refinery. And I'm hoping that um, maybe a Jessica Sanchez will come into your life in one way or another, someone who's a professional that can help you begin your process of healing and give you a safe place, um, a refuge from where to begin and to plant those little seeds that she helped me plant of how to move forward. And today's episode um, is really about doing whatever it takes um, to move forward. Now, a couple things I want to mention. You need to make up your mind early on that no matter what is required of you, whether it be by family members, you know, boundaries that are set, or by authorities, such in my, as in my case, whatever is required or asked or demanded or forced upon you, take it. You, you can't dodge all that. Just accept that this is the new normal, accept that fact, and accept that there will be a thousand unpleasantries. You're going to face unpleasantries. You, this is not a time to let your feelings get hurt. Um, you have to just live with that. I mentioned in the previous episode that in the movie Oppenheimer, <clears throat> there's a point where uh, the wife the character played by Emily Blunt, the wife of Robert Oppenheimer, says to him in a very poignant moment, you don't get to commit the sin and then have us feel bad for you when you have to face the consequences. You're going to face consequences. You're going to have to deal with a new reality. There will be a thousand unpleasantries, maybe more than a thousand. But whatever comes and whatever unpleasantries or whatever place demands are placed on you by society, by authorities, by family, by your church, by whatever it is, you have to accept it. And there will be a seemingly endless varieties of ways that you'll be exposed to language and the actions of others, 
the universe, natural consequences, and they may all disregard you. <laughs> you are your most fierce competition. There is a, uh, a quote that I, that I saw some time ago that I love. It says, your competition is not other people. Your competition is your procrastination, your ego, the unhealthy food you're consuming, the knowledge you neglect, the negative behavior you're nurturing, and the lack of creativity. Compete against that. Well, add that to compete against the isolation, the stigma, the shame, whatever it is. This, this may sound harsh, but I've had to be harsh with myself. Kevin, suck it up. Face it. Accept it. Take it. I am completely responsible for my actions. I take full responsibility for what terrible decisions I made, and I've had to take, pay a terrible price for it, and not unfairly. Um, we all have to come to that. You are going to be, and you are your most fierce competition. Struggles and barriers to moving forward may come only from within. I promise you they'll come from without as well. But maybe your most difficult barriers and struggles to move forward may come from within. There was a quote by a, a leader in the LDS Church from years ago that says that the, the greatest battles that will be fought are fought within the quiet chambers of your soul. That's not an exact quote, but you get the idea. The more isolated you are, or the more you isolate yourself, the more difficult it will be. However, and this is my moment to say this, do whatever it takes to move forward. And the key word for today is to move. Um, you may not want to do anything. You may want to curl up in a ball in a fetal position on the floor of your apartment in a dark room and just weep and hope that someone will come to your rescue. No one's coming. The as I mentioned in a previous episode, the Navy SEALs of divine intervention are not on their way. You are maybe, possibly, all alone. Most likely, you'll get to the point where you are certain that nothing matters. You don't matter. There's no reason to continue to live. That comes from a place of darkness, real darkness. And I've been in that place. I considered taking my own life on more than one occasion. I planned it out. I thought it out in my mind. I was probably too much of a coward to... No, I don't want to say that. I wanted to do it and didn't want to do it at the same time. I was afraid, of course. I don't want to say that it was cowardice. I, I want to believe that I wanted to live, that I had a, a will to survive that I was, I was on the food chain of consequences, <laughs> and I didn't want to be eaten alive by them. And the, the, the only thing that I could think of was I wanted to move forward, and the key to that was to move. Here are some thoughts on, my thoughts at least, on, on, the, on, moving, on movement, moving forward. And this is something that I thought of. The hell of prison is nothing compared to the prison that you keep yourself in. I'm saying that to myself. As bad as being incarcerated was, I couldn't remain a prisoner of my own making. 
I had to break out of that that prison. But those bars are hard and those walls are thick. You think that when you're, you know, released uh, from incarceration at least, or you think that when you've gone through a 12-step program and, you know, you've completed that part or you've gone to rehab and you've completed that portion, that it's over, that it's done, that's, that you're complete. However, <laughs> you might have to second-guess that or question that a little bit. Are you really free? I mean, you have to start with yourself. Are you free? Are you free of your addiction? Are you free of your incarceration, whatever it might be? Only, and this is, this is my opinion now, okay? Only you can really set yourself free. You have to deal with that, that yourself in the quiet chambers of your own soul. I'm not saying there's not help available. There is. Um, both of this earth and in my personal opinion and in my own faith, I believe, and I want to say this over and over, that by the grace of God, um, we can be set free. You have to ask yourself, now what? You know, what do I do? In a previous episode, I, I mentioned that you have to decide which direction you face. I had to decide which direction I was going to go for the rest of my life. Was, guy, was I going to remember my faith and hold to my faith and practice my faith, even though there was going to be serious limitations to that, or was I going to set that aside? Um, my own personal witness, my own personal testimony, my own personal belief is I know there's a God. I believe in God, the Heavenly Father. I believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and His atoning sacrifice. I believe in the Holy Ghost and its influence and its ability and power to enlighten us, teach us, guide us. To be, if we are sensitive to those things, we can find a direction. Um, I know that my Savior lives, and He loves me, and He has tenderly and mercifully cared for me. That's my, that's my belief. That's my hope. My hope and my belief and my ability to move forward little by little relied in and rested in and resides in my childlike basic faith that I went back to, that I know that God lives, I'm a child of God, and that Jesus loves me. To me, that was those were important things. And like um, Sir Thomas More says in uh, A Man for All Seasons, it's not that I believe it, it's that I believe it. I myself believe. And so I clung to that and, and used that as, as strength. Now, um, I don't want to um, be misunderstood. I was in a prison of shame and isolation and loss and self-loathing and self-doubt and, as I mentioned, had thoughts of suicide, and I was beginning to believe that everyone would be better off if I was just gone. I was convinced, like... Uh, like um, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, um, George Bailey. It would be better if I had just never been born. And uh, in a conversation that I had with my brother Ron, he reminded me to not be the judge, the jury, and the executioner in my own case. And so I knew I needed to get moving. And it did not matter which direction I was going, really. What mattered that I started to get moving. 
Um, it didn't matter if I, you know, did some sort of physical um, exercise or went to a gym or whatever. It didn't matter what it was that I chose. It just mattered that I started, that I didn't remain curled up in a fetal position <laughs> in a dark place, in a dark prison of my own mind and my own sp spirit. I had to get out where there was light. I had to get outside. I had to get moving. So if you find yourself in a similar place, the, maybe the very first step for you, as very similarly it was for me, get moving. Just get up, take a shower, change your clothes, open the blinds, get outside, look around, see the sunlight. There is a concept, and I may not pronounce this perfectly correctly, but there is a concept known as lech lecha. And it, it's based in the command given by God to Abraham, or Abram, to, um, to get up and go forth, um, to get up and get going. And that's what I did. I was sitting in my room in my brother's house feeling lonely and shameful and isolated and very limited in my freedom, and started, so I started walking. <laughs> I just went outside. Well, like I said, first I would just get up and take a shower and change my clothes. That was first. And then I would go out and I would have a conversation with my brother and my sister-in-law, have some social interaction. But what I really needed to do was to get outside, and so I did. I walked outside and then walked out to the street and then walked out to the corner, and maybe not all at the same time, but eventually I'd walk out to the corner, and I knew that about a mile away there was a Circle K, and this is not by accident that I have this here. It's either going to be this or my 44-ounce Polar Pop, <laughs> which I'll have on set, I'm sure. So I decided to walk down to the Circle K. Now, this is pre-COVID, okay, so this is, that's sort of important. But luckily, I could walk down to the Circle K, I could buy myself a soda and a slice of pizza, and there were tabletop um, places to sit and eat my soda, I mean, uh, eat my pizza and drink my soda. And there was a, an array of newspapers there. There was the LA Times, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the USA Today, etc. So I found a little pattern. I would walk down to the Circle K, get my soda, get my pizza, read in the newspaper. Then the next day or two, or maybe a week later, I walked to Circle K, got my soda, got my pizza, read the paper, and I would say hello to somebody. Now remember, I was so ashamed of myself, I couldn't talk to anybody because I didn't want to introduce myself. I didn't want to say my name. I had lost my identity. I was ashamed of who I was, and so I didn't dare introduce myself and tell anyone what my name was because I didn't want them to know. Anything about me. At first, there was no communication. Slowly but surely, I would say hello. I would smile. And then I would be smiled at back, or I would be greeted back. And that felt good. It felt, I can breathe in and out. Here I go. Here I go. I can breathe in and out. Then I decided to go play a round of golf. And I had my, my clubs, and I went out to the golf course, and and uh, played a round of golf. I had an ankle bracelet on, <laughs> you know, from, that was provided me by the authorities so they could track me. And there was no way to hide it. I wasn't going to cover it up with a sock. 
I just wore that badge of shame out on the golf course. And I was walking. So I was out playing golf, and I was getting exercise. And I made a friend or two. And then I decided, okay, I downloaded the All Trails hiking app, and I started to hike. And so here I was now getting outside, climbing a little rise, climbing a little hill, climbing a small mountain, and I would get to a peak, and all of a sudden my perspective changed. I saw the world differently. I saw myself differently, and I could commune with God, and I could pray and beg for forgiveness. And from time to time, I could feel the power of God in my life. From time to time, I would ride my bike. I could cover a bit more ground, and it was pleasant to be out and about. I took tennis lessons from a local teacher. Now, again, this didn't happen all at once. This happened over a period of months. And I couldn't afford to play golf very often, but I liked to hit golf balls. I had spent many, many years of my life playing golf, coaching golf, and enjoying golf. But I didn't have the money. So I went to the golf course where my brother lived and spoke to the pro. And I said, is there anything I can do to uh, pay for buckets of balls? Or in the case of this particular location, pyramids of balls that were already set up. And he says, well, he says, I, I don't know. I said, well, I noticed that the, the little ball picker-upper PVC pipe, like little sweeper things were busted. I said, I could replace these and maintain these in exchange for letting me hit golf balls. So he made that deal with me. Now, I was able to make that arrangement, hit balls as often as I wanted, and I just maintained the driving range and chipping area <laughs> PVC sweepers you know, for picking up balls. Now, one of the mantras that I began to, to use, and I will, I will end with a couple of these thoughts... Getting moving was important, but Edward Everett Hale said, look up, not down, look out, not in, look forward, not back, and lend a hand. If you're feeling really broken and down, and you feel like no one loves you, <laughs> and as counterintuitive as it is, one of the best ways to get past that feeling is to be in service to someone else. Do something for someone else. Try little ways. Maybe it's just smiling and saying hello. Maybe it's just starting a conversation. Maybe it's just going down and trying to solve a problem for somebody else. In my case, the driving range, pick her up or problem. <laughs> um, it has been said that the best way we can forget our troubles is to be this, of service to someone else. In the Book of Mormon, um, the same principle is taught. It says, when you are in the service of your fellow man, you are only in the service of your God. And another mantra that was taught to me by my brother Ron, um, which I will tell the story about it later on in another episode, because there is a very poignant story related to this mantra, it is, onward and upward, the best is yet to come. I promise you, for those of you that are listening or watching, um, healing comes, good comes, love comes, opportunities come, living comes purpose comes. You have to be looking for it, and you have to be working for it. It's not easy, but I promise you that as you move forward, 
your fall will be to grace like mine. Thank you for joining me for this episode in Fall to Grace podcast, and we'll see you next time.